We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. WinBet is now live in all of these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game offs on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. Away we go, episode 164 of the Al Galdi podcast. It is Tuesday, October 12th, 2021. Was anyone blind CC'd on those emails between Bruce Allen and John Gruden? That's what I want to know. What fonts were Brucey and John using? That's something else that I want to know. Are they aerial guys? Are they more courier new types? What do we think here? Uh, unbelievable. John Gruden out as Las Vegas Raiders head coach. Major breaking NFL news on Monday night during Monday Night Football. And of course, there was irony to that as John Gruden's previous job was serving as an in-game analyst on ESPN's 
Monday Night Football, but emails between Bruce Allen and John Gruden uncovered during the investigation into the Washington football team's workplace, leading to John Gruden resigning as Raiders head coach. Reports emerging of the emails between Brucey and Johnny Boy, including racist, misogynistic, and anti-gay language. For our purposes as Washington football team fans, here's what is so amazing. So according to the Wall Street Journal, the NFL in this investigation into the Washington football team's workplace reviewed 650,000 emails. And yet, and yet, only these John Gruden emails have been leaked. How and why? There is no actual Beth Wilkinson report. Uh, All we got from the NFL was a summary of the findings of the Wilkinson investigation. But somehow, these John Gruden emails got leaked and now have cost him his job as Raiders head coach. Dan Snyder, the owner of the team being investigated, somehow emerged from this investigation as more powerful of an owner than ever before. And John Gruden, of all people, emerges from the investigation now out of a job. You cannot make this stuff up. Danny must be laughing like crazy as we speak. First off, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Yes, Danny. Happy Thanksgiving, although it is not a happy Thanksgiving for John Gruden, brother of former Washington head coach Jay Gruden. What is Jay thinking right now? But I mean, from the New York Times, quote, Gruden, as in John Gruden, exchanged emails with Allen, as in Bruce Allen, and other men that included photos of women wearing only bikini bottoms, including one photo of two Washington team cheerleaders. End quote. So this is like directly tied here to this Beth Wilkinson investigation. How does this get leaked from the investigation, but nothing about the Danny got leaked from the investigation? Incredible. Well, when it comes to our team, the Washington football team, and actual football, uh, I have a saying during Washington football team season, Mondays are for emotion, Tuesdays are for analysis. That saying is especially true this week because Monday was filled with emotion for Ron Rivera, a testy, sparks-filled day after the game Zoom press conference on Monday for Don Ron. Oh, he wasn't nasty or mean or anything like that, but there was a feistiness to the presser, the likes of which we hadn't necessarily seen from Ron during his time as Washington head coach. The team is two and three, but feels worse than two and three. The defense has been abysmal. And Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, and the Kansas City Chiefs are coming for a game at FedEx Field this Sunday afternoon at one. And while, yes, the Chiefs also are two and three, the Chiefs also are your two-time reigning defending AFC champions. And if you know your Andy Reid history, you know that there may be no opposing head coach who has owned Washington over the years more than Andy Reid has. The Monday Night Massacre of 2010, the blowout win at FedEx Field in the snow in 2013, the fleecing of Washington with the Donovan McNabb and Alex Smith trades. Andy Reid 
has been Washington's daddy over the years. Who is your daddy and what does he do? Yes, Arnold. Andy Reid has been our daddy. Uh, Ron Rivera was on Andy Reid's coaching staff with the Philadelphia Eagles years ago. So a lot to be thinking about for this Sunday. But in the meantime, it is Tuesday and we have a lot to get to. As you may have heard, uh, Washington's defense has had some problems so far this season. Ron Rivera on Monday spent a lot of time discussing the defense and in some respects defending the defense. Yeah, I said defending the defense. I wish the defense's defense was as good as Ron's defense of the defense on Monday, if that makes sense. Uh, I'm going to get into Ron's defense of the defense next segment, including Ron very much standing by Jack Del Rio as Washington's defensive coordinator. It does not look like Jack is going anywhere right now. And by the way, I'm fine with that. I am not advocating for Jack Del Rio to be fired as Washington defensive coordinator. Uh, Also, things are wild right now with who on this Washington defense is playing and for how much. Uh, There's a lot to sort through. Sort through it all, I shall, for you on this show. And I'll talk Taylor Heineke, Ryan Fitzpatrick, and Curtis Samuel of some things that Ron said on Monday. I'll do some non-Washington football team segments on the show as well. Good news on the Wizards' Rui Hachimura. I'll react to that. And more news on the Nationals coaching staff. Kevin Long out as hitting coach, although seemingly by his own choice. I'll react to that. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Email from David on Taylor Heineke and the Washington football team off the 33-22 loss to the New Orleans Saints at FedEx Field on Sunday afternoon. Writes David, Heineke was bad. The interception near the goal line was just bad. Poor judgment, poor throw. I am cheering for him, but another game or two like this and my man love will wane. The defense allowing another deep throw, wide open touchdown. My God, I am done. It's pathetic and embarrassing. Looks like another bad season. I am getting very, very tired. More than 20 years, I'm just tired and sad. Uh, Thank you for the email, David. I hear you, man. Yeah, more than 20 years, more than 25 years, nearly 30 years. Always remember, the downfall of Washington started years before Dan Snyder bought the team. The downfall of Washington football started really with the 1993 season, that first season after the first retirement of Joe Gibbs, that first season of modern free agency beginning, of the installing of the salary cap. Uh, Really nothing has been the same for Washington ever since then. And as successful of an owner as Jack Kent Cook was, things did not go well at all over Jack Kent Cook's final years as Washington owner, to say nothing of the mess that old JKC left us with uh, when it came to who succeeded him as the owner of the team. But, you know, Washington in the 1990s, prior to Dan Snyder buying the team in May 1999, had problems, had real problems, you know, had way too many bad drafts under Charlie Casserly, had more than a few bad free agent signings under Casserly. Uh, North Turner was not a great head coach for Washington. A lot of things went wrong. This is Coach Norv Turner. Yes. Hello, Norval. Thank you very much. But 1993 through 2021, 29 seasons, 29 seasons since the end of the glory days for Washington football. Uh, However, when it comes to this season looking like another bad season, we'll see. I'm not ready to declare that just yet. Washington is 2-3, and three, not 0-5, oh although at times it does feel like Washington is 0-5. Oh but there's no doubt that what's going on with this defense 
right now is extremely troubling. And there's no doubt that this season could end up being another bad season. This season, in a lot of ways, feels like it is on the brink and that things could really start to unravel here. And if you're Ron Rivera, what you're trying to do is prevent the unraveling from happening. Uh, I got multiple emails from Michael King while he was at FedEx Field on Sunday afternoon for Washington's loss to the Saints. Michael was live emailing me, uh, wrote Michael, first level is 50% Saints fans and the club and top levels are empty. Who dat all over the stadium? Uh, thank you for your live reporting, Michael. Uh, I was not at FedEx. I'll take your word regarding what you said. If anyone else listening was at FedEx Field on Sunday afternoon, you tell me what you saw and experienced. Uh, but yeah, we're used to this by now. Opposing team fans overtaking FedEx Field. This has been happening for years. I mean, perhaps you came across this last week. Through week four, Washington had the lowest average attendance and the lowest percentage of seats filled in the NFL. Uh, Washington's average attendance was at 51,435. Washington's percentage of seats filled was 62.7. Only one other NFL team was under 85%. The attendance problems for Washington are not new. Uh, I don't really talk about them a lot because there's nothing new to say. These problems have been in effect for years now. The team has been mostly bad for nearly three decades now. The owner is maybe the single most disliked person in major professional sports. And no, that is not an exaggeration. Everyone knows that the team doesn't like its stadium and wants a new stadium. And so this is where we're at. It's where we've been at for years, and it's where we're going to be for years. There are two things that'll change the attendance situation for Washington football. A, the team becoming consistently good, and B, a new stadium. Neither one of those things can happen for at least a few years, if those things happen at all. Well, something that can happen right now is you getting your lawn in good shape. Uh, Stop staring at a lawn that is taking up too much of your time or isn't being cared for well enough by whoever is supposedly caring for it. Let Weedman take care of your lawn. Weedman cares for your lawn so you don't have to. Weedman provides what your lawn needs to look great. Fertilization, weed control, aeration seeding, and a variety of other services. If you don't have the time or the knowledge to make your lawn look great, no worries. Let Weedman Take care of your lawn. If you're not satisfied with whoever is currently caring for your lawn, make the switch to Weedman. And now's a great time to do so because Weedman is offering something special to listeners of the Al Galdi podcast. A fall tune-up at a great price. An aeration and two fall fertilization services for just $209. That's 30% off the usual price for those services. That price is a steal. That price applies to lawns of up to 6000 square feet. Weedman is a national network of locally owned franchises, so you'll receive the personal service that you deserve. Weedman answers your phone calls and emails promptly. Weedman does what it says it's going to do. All of that sounds simple, and it is, but it's not nearly as common as it should be. Weedman's products are of the highest quality. Weedman does not cut corners. The best weed control, state certified seed. Weedman's secret sauce is the fertilizer. All of Weedman's organic-based fertilizer applications feature 65% super slow-release nitrogen that feeds your roots slowly and effectively. You see, Weedman has a mastery of the science behind it a great lawn. And Weedman knows that a beautiful spring lawn starts in the fall. And so take advantage of this special offer, an aeration and two fall fertilization services for just $209. That's 30% off the usual price for those services. Here's what you do. Call 
571-340-3400. When you call, make sure that you mention the Al Galdi podcast so you get the special deal. Again, an aeration and two fall fertilization services for just $209. Again, a 30% discount of the usual price for those services. That phone number again, 571-340-3400. And make sure that you mention the Al Galdi podcast so you get that special deal. You can also Google Weedman and make a web request. Just make sure that you mention the Al Galdi podcast. Weedman, a great lawn at a great price with great personal service. All right, so we on Monday had the head coach of the Washington football team, the head coach in the coach-centric approach, Ron Rivera, the Don of the Washington football team, Don Ron, speaking for more than 17 minutes via his day-after-the-game Zoom press conference following the 33-22 loss to the New Orleans Saints at FedEx Field on Sunday afternoon. The bulk of the presser, I'd say about 80 to 85% of the presser, was on Washington's struggling defense. I know that some of you believe that Taylor Heineke was the number one reason for the loss to the Saints. And look, he wasn't good. He was bad. I'm going to talk about him in a bit. But the defense is the thing. I actually had some people on Twitter defending the defense. The defense right now is trash. And that's not to say that all of Washington's defensive players are trash. That's not true. But the overall defensive performance this season has been trash. Okay? Now, I still do believe in a good number of Washington's defensive players. I refuse to believe that they're this bad. But one thing that we do not do on this podcast is sugarcoat things. And the truth is the truth. The Washington football team's defense this season so far has been trash. We certainly saw that on Jameis Winston's first two touchdown passes on Sunday. Saints second offensive drive, third snap of the drive, receiver Deontay Harris inexplicably wide open behind Washington secondary on the Jameis Winston first quarter, third and seven, 72-yard shotgun touchdown bomb. Certainly appeared as if Landon Collins did not get deep quickly enough in suing extra point gave the Saints a 7-3 lead. And then on the Saints' seventh offensive drive, the lone snap of the drive, the final offensive play of the first half, Washington gave up the Jameis Winston first and 10, 49-yard shotgun touchdown bomb to receiver Marquez Calloway on a Hail Mary heave into the end zone. Neither Kendall Fuller nor William Jackson III, Washington's top two corners, both in terms of stature and money, even jumped on that jump ball. Uh, This play, by the way, for the NFL's next-gen stats, had a 9.9% completion probability, making the play the most improbable completion in the NFL up until that point this season. Yes, 9.9% completion probability, and yet the completion was made thanks to Washington's terrible secondary. It really wasn't that difficult of a catch for Marquez Callaway to make. Ensuing extra point gave the Saints a 2013 halftime lead. And so Ron's day after the game Zoom press conference on Monday began with him being asked about multiple sensitive topics, setting the tone for a fiery session, if you will. Defensive coordinator Jack Del Rio, his job security, Washington's overall defensive scheme, it's competence. Ron on Monday on whether he's considering any kind of a coaching change or scheme change with Washington's defense right now. 
Yeah, that stuff, that makes no sense to me right now. Because if, if you really go back and look at it, and this is probably the first time that I can really say that you look at a game and say, this was a matter of four or five plays, okay, on both sides of the ball. If we do certain things and eliminate a couple of these here and a couple of these, we have a chance. I know you can't, okay, but to sit here and talk about stuff like that after, and really, if you look at a defense, it would probably amount to really just two plays, okay? And, and to me, that's, that's the way I'm looking at it. I thought we took some strides. I thought we did some positive things. We did a couple of things that, you know, we needed to. And unfortunately, when it came time to, 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 to do a couple other things, we didn't do them. We didn't execute it properly. Um, could we have been something different? Yeah, maybe. But to, to, to want to sit here and make wholesale, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me right now. It really doesn't. You know, and, and whether it's breaking time or not, that's a decision I'll make at the time I think is right for us. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, when it comes to those types of things, what I'm looking at is, did we improve? Did we get better? You know, I, I, again, I, I, I don't know. I, I thought I did say that we were a little immature. We had some things we had to grow and get better at. Uh, and I'll consider, continue to say that. This is a young football team. It doesn't excuse us for making the mistakes we did. Uh, but we do have to be, be better. We have to be more consistent. We have to play better. Uh, we got to make sure we're putting the players in position to have success, guys. And, and that's the way I look at it. So Ron says of changing who Washington's defensive coordinator is or changing Washington's defensive scheme, quote, that makes no sense to me right now, end quote. Okay, I don't have a problem with Ron feeling that way. Firing Jack Del Rio just for the sake of firing Jack Del Rio would be dumb. We don't know enough to be able to say whether Jack Del Rio is a major part of the problem. The defensive struggles certainly don't reflect well on him. Uh, it's possible that his defense is too complicated, but as former Washington tight end Logan Paulson said on this podcast two weeks ago, and if you missed our conversation, I would highly encourage you to check that out. That was in episode 155 of the podcast. Uh, you need to be complicated defensively. I mean, Logan said it, okay? You can't just be ultra simple defensively because quarterbacks then will carve you up. So there is a line that you got to try to walk as a defensive coordinator of, you certainly don't want to be overly complex, but you can't just be super vanilla either. You've got to try to do things to throw off quarterbacks and opposing offenses. Uh, Also, Jack Del Rio has a very good track record. You know, this isn't some newbie defensive coordinator who Washington has. Now, that doesn't guarantee that Jack's doing a great job right now, but that does mean to me, anyway, uh, that Jack deserves a benefit of the doubt. Now, along the lines of the scheme, so William Jackson III, after the loss of the Saints, said that there's stuff that he would like to be doing, but isn't doing. Ron on Monday addressed whether there are ongoing conversations with players about what to do and how to do what to do. Yeah, it is. I mean, again, it's also finding out what they are comfortable with. Um, if, if, if we can get guys to understand and see it, we believe we can do it, and and that's what we're trying to do with uh, with William. He's done some really good things. We thought yesterday was one of his better games. We played uh, played in a, a lot of man, and uh, you really saw some of the things that uh, you know that 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 he can do. Uh, what you would really like is again, you're going to mix it up because you don't always want to be that predictable. You want certain looks to be kind of camouflaged, you know, so to say, disguised or whatever you want to say it. And um, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to just mix it up. Which makes sense. Again, you can't be too simple on defense. It's always tricky with taking scheme input 
from players. On the one hand, you as a coach need to believe in what you're doing and do what you think is right, and you can't let the inmates run the asylum. On the other hand, you as a coach need to be flexible, need to be willing to listen to your players, and need to understand that you're not always right. Again, there's a line that you need to walk as a coach. Is Jack Del Rio properly walking that line right now? Is Ron Rivera properly walking that line right now? We don't know, but it's something to ponder. Uh, Also, during Ron's day after the game Zoom press conference on Monday, we got the following, and I'll play for you the question and the answer. The question is from Washington football team senior writer Ben Standig of The Athletic D.C. Ron, as a little bit of a follow-up to that, as recently as your last year in Carolina, you were the play caller for that team. As you've considered what to do to help this defense, have you considered? Guys, 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 okay? I'm not going that way. Okay, just understand that. Um, I like what we did. I thought what we did uh, last week gave us an opportunity. Okay, so at the end of the day, what we're going to do is we're going to continue to work. Guys, the only way you're going to get better is to work and practice. Practice hard. Practice as best as you can. Then you go out and you play. Well, I was just going to ask if you were going to potentially just get even more involved than you already are. But again, like I just said, okay. All good. So how about that? Things were intense with Ron Rivera on Monday. Don Ron was intense. He was feisty on Monday. And that feistiness continued. Here was another notable exchange. We'll start with the question from Washington football team insider Matthew Paris of the Washington Times. And as was the case with Ben Standing's question, uh, this is a fair question. This is not a gotcha question. But listen to how Ron reacts to the question. Hey, Ron. Um, I remember when you were giving that talk to the assistants around the league, you're talking about uh, delegating authority to your assistants, but ultimately setting a standard mm-hmm. as the coach. So I'm wondering, how, how does that apply when like a unit is struggling, like the defense is? Like, what do you do to get them back on track as the head coach? And, you know, you said you weren't going to get more involved, but like, what is the role of a head coach when a unit is struggling? Like, the way <laughs> Well, you guys really want to go there, don't you? You know, the, the truth of the matter, guys, is I oversee it. I look at it. I talk to the coaches. I talk to the players. Okay. We talk about what we're doing. We go through all that. Whether you're doing well or you're not doing well, it, it, it is a matter of getting involved. When certain things have to happen in the appropriate moment, when I feel that it needs to be done, I'll do it. It's that simple. Okay. We're, 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 we're trying to build and create. And if you're constantly mixing and changing and moving and doing things, you never really find out. Okay, if, if we had done anything drastically crazy last year, um, we did it after I felt that it was time to do it. That, and that's what we're going to do here. I, I don't I don't see the issues uh, the way you guys do. Okay, I have the opportunity to watch the tape, to break the tape down, to look at what we're doing and look at how we're doing it. Okay, and as we go through these things. We're trying to make sure that we're doing things the right way. If we're not, we're trying to correct them and working to correct them. All right. We only, you know, the tough part is you only have 53 guys and you try to use the, to the best of their abilities to put them in position to have success. And that's what we're doing. And to be very honest, as I said, um, we had two plays that if you could take back, it's a difference. If it's a different conversation, but you can't, which I get, but I'm not going to damn the rest of it. Okay, we played, what, 56 plays on defense? Okay, the other 54, I'm not going to damn just because two of them weren't where they're supposed to be. Okay, I mean, really, seriously, think about it. 
Think about what those two plays mean. And again, you can't change them. But that's not the reason. That's not the sole reason. Okay, there was, there was, there was. If you really think about it, there was almost 200 plays in that game. Offense, defense, and special teams. A lot of things happened in that period of time. Yes, they did. All right, so let's get into this idea that Washington's defense in the loss to the Saints played well beyond those first two Jameis Winston touchdown passes. Because that's Ron's contention, right? That the defense played well beyond those two plays. So statistically speaking, Ron's not wrong. If you take out those two plays, Winston went just 13 of 28 for just 158 yards. Uh, That's a completion percentage of less than 50. That's a yards per pass attempt of just 5.64. So yeah, if you take out those two touchdown bombs, uh, then things look a lot better. Uh, Also, if you take away Joe Gibbs' three Super Bowl titles, then he really wasn't that great of an NFL head coach. So like, yeah, what does that mean? If you take away the two touchdown bombs, uh, that makes things look a lot better. Okay, fine. You can cherry pick whatever you want in life. The point is that those two plays happened. And Ron, to his credit, conceded that during his day after the game Zoom presser on Monday. Uh, It's not like those two plays, though, were isolated incidents. And that, to me, is really the point here. Those two plays were reminiscent of things that we have seen way too often from Washington's defense this season, especially the Jameis Winston 72-yard touchdown bomb to Deontay Harris. How many times this season already have we seen an opposing receiver screaming wide open behind Washington's secondary? I'd be more open to Ron's line of thinking if these two plays were foreign occurrences to this Washington defense this season. They were not. So no, you can't just take away those two plays. As the saying goes, if my aunt had testicles, she'd be my uncle. If those two plays didn't happen, then we would look at the performance of Washington's defense and the loss to the Saints differently. Okay, fine. But so what? What was up with the lack of playing time for not just Jamin Davis on Sunday, but also Chase Young and Montez Sweat? I'll get to that and much more after this. Washington football team season is in full swing, and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find Washington football team tickets. That's because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site and the only ticket site that you'll ever need as your go-to for all NFL tickets. TickPick got rid of all of those awful service fees that the other ticket sites charge. This allows TickPick to guarantee the best prices on all of its NFL tickets. Don't believe this? Look, if you can find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. And so if you're looking to watch Washington live this season, take on, say, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs at FedEx Field this Sunday, or Tom Brady and the Bucks at FedEx on November 14th, or are wanting to travel to watch Washington play at Aaron Rodgers and the Packers on October 24th, or at Derek Carr and the Raiders on December 5th and a trip to Vegas, or you want to hit up the late season division games, TickPick has you covered. Again, TickPick guarantees the best prices on all of its NFL tickets, no more of those ridiculous service fees. So here's what you do. Visit TickPick.com slash Galdi right now and use the promo code Galdi to save $10 on your first order of Washington football team tickets. That's T-I-C-K 
P-I-C-K.com slash Galdi and use the promo code Galdi. TickPick.com slash Galdi and make sure that you use the promo code Galdi. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands. So you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. We continue discussing, dissecting, analyzing the Washington football team's defense off the 33-22 loss to the New Orleans Saints at FedEx Field on Sunday afternoon. One of the more interesting things going on with Washington's defense right now is playing time. Uh, There are so many things happening with playing time right now. Let's start with this. Chase Young on Sunday played on his fewest defensive snaps of the season in terms of the percentage. Uh, Chase Young on Sunday played on just 79% of Washington's defensive snaps. His playing time percentages from weeks one through four were 86 91, 89, and 80 percent. Again, he was down to 79 percent on Sunday. Now, I thought that Chase Young actually played pretty well 
on Sunday. And not just because he had the first quarter sack strip for the lost fumble that Deron Payne recovered. And maybe part of why Chase played well on Sunday was that he was kept fresh. But Jesus, season low 79% of Washington's defensive snaps for Chase Young. Was that because of him continuing to deviate from the defensive scheme? I don't know. Uh, I do want to note this. Chase playing on just 79% of Washington's defensive snaps isn't unheard of in terms of a playing time percentage for an edge rusher. Uh, Miles Garrett of the Cleveland Browns has only played on 82.1% of the Browns' defensive snaps so far this season. Chandler Jones of the Arizona Cardinals has played on 85% of the Cardinals' defensive snaps this season. So, you know, it's not unheard of for a guy like Chase Young to only play on 79% of his team's defensive snaps in a game. But it is hard to ignore the decline in Chase Young's playing time percentages this season. Again, his playing time percentages for the season, if you start with week one and move forward, 86, 91, 89, 80, and now 79%. That's a pretty steady decline since week two. Uh, Also, Montez Sweat, he on Sunday played on just 68% of Washington's defensive snaps. Montez's playing time percentages from weeks one through four were 65 88, 70, and 79%. So he's kind of been all over the place. I'm sure that Ron Rivera and Jack Del Rio have their reasons for not playing Montez Sweatmore. I would love to know what those reasons are. And maybe the reasons with Chase Young and Montez Sweat not playing more are as simple as each guy is banged up right now and we're just not aware of each guy being banged up right now. And obviously, that is perfectly acceptable. But I look at something like this. James Smith-Williams on Sunday played on 39% of Washington's defensive snaps. Did we really need James Smith-Williams out there on 39% of Washington's defensive snaps? Could we not be doing more of Montez Sweat and less of James Smith-Williams? Why is Montez Sweat only out there on 68% of Washington's defensive snaps and James Smith-Williams is out there on 39% of Washington's defensive snaps. And again, maybe there are good reasons for this, okay? Ron and Jack know things that we do not know, but I think that it's more than fair to ask some questions here. Uh, How about what's going on at linebacker for Washington? Washington, in the loss to the Saints, basically only played one linebacker. So Washington is, of course, without John Bostic. He was placed on the reserve injured list on October 5th due to the torn pectoral muscle that he suffered in the win at the Atlanta Falcons in week four. Cole Holcomb on Sunday played on 100% of Washington's defensive snaps off having been questionable for the game due to a shoulder injury. But that was about it in terms of Washington linebackers playing on defense in this game. Jamin Davis, who, as most of you know, Washington took with the number 19 pick in the 2021 NFL Draft, played on just 23% of Washington's defensive snaps. Khalid Hudson played on just three of Washington's defensive snaps. Man, we have like barely seen Khalid Hudson play this season. He had not played on any of Washington's defensive snaps over the team's first four games of the season, then played on just three of Washington's defensive snaps on Sunday. Now, he has played a lot on special teams, but in terms of playing on defense, Uh, Khalid Hudson has basically been on a milk carton throughout this season. 
Uh, and then you had the three Carolina Panthers turned Washington linebackers, uh, although not all of these guys came directly from the Panthers, but uh, these guys are all members of the Panthers mafia in some way. David Mayo played on nine of Washington's defensive snaps. Washington signed him to the active roster on September 1st. Uh, Jordan Kanashik did not play on any of Washington's defensive snaps. Washington signed him from the practice squad to the active roster on October 5th. And Jared Norris did not play on any of Washington's Defensive snaps, Washington signed him from the practice squad to the active roster on September 14th. So yeah, Cole Holcomb was like the only linebacker who really truly played on Sunday. Washington's answer to John Bostic likely being done for the season was not more of Jamin Davis, was not a good bit of Khalid Hudson. No, the answer was to basically trim the position of linebacker to one guy, Cole Holcomb. Rod Rivera, at his day after the game Zoom press conference on Monday, on where he's at with his linebackers. Well, what we're doing is by game plan. We just felt that what we had planned, but we thought we could uh, we could do and have success with, we went with. And again, I, I thought there were some good things uh, that we did. Uh, we, we put ourselves in position to make some plays in some situations. It's just unfortunate. Like I said, to me, defensively, you know, if you could sit there and say, oh, you could take two plays back, shoot. That would make a world of difference, but you can't. No, you can't. Although, boy, did Ron keep bringing that up over and over and over on Monday. Uh, I do not have a problem with the idea of who plays in a given game and for how much being game plan dependent. That's how Bill Belichick has operated for years with the New England Patriots. I am a big believer in WWBD. What would Belichick do? But man, Jamin Davis only playing on 23% of Washington's defensive snaps really does stand out. Again, number 19 pick in the 2021 draft. Even if you buy into Jamin being a project of sorts, given that he was only a starter at Kentucky for one season, isn't it at least a little concerning that with John Bostic out, Jamin still doesn't play much? And again, I get the whole game planning thing. Obviously, Ron Rivera and Jack Del Rio felt like playing three safeties a lot on Sunday was the way to go. And so we saw Landon Collins play on 100% of Washington's defensive snaps. Bobby McCain play on 95% of Washington's defensive snaps. And Cameron Curl play on 89% of Washington's defensive snaps. But I still wonder, where are we exactly with Jamin Davis. Right on Monday on what he needs to see from Jamin in order for Jamin to play more. Well, I think, again, it's all about game planning, guys, and, and how we game plan and how we attack the opponents, what we think is best right now. He's just got to continue to work and grow and, and just keep, you know, keep at it. He's going to get his opportunities to play. It's just as we feel that he's where he needs to be, uh, we can expose him and give him an even bigger role. Uh, translation, Jamin isn't ready. We drafted a project in Jamin. Jamin Davis wasn't the only notable Washington rookie defensive player who did not play much in the loss to the Saints. Benjamin St. Juice returned from a one-game absence caused by a concussion that was suffered in the loss at the Buffalo Bills in week three, but he played on just 21% of Washington's defensive snaps. William Jackson III played on 100% of Washington's defensive snaps. Kendall Fuller played on 95% of Washington's defensive snaps. Uh, Washington does have Torrey McTire on the reserve injured list. Put him on that on October 5th due to a torn ACL 
that McTire suffered in the win at the Atlanta Falcons in week four. Daryl Roberts was active on Sunday for a second consecutive game and for just the second time in five games this season, but he did not play on any of Washington's defensive snaps for a second straight game. Daryl Roberts has yet to play on a single defensive snap for Washington this season. Troy Apke has yet to play on a single defensive snap for Washington this season. And Danny Johnson was inactive on Sunday. Washington signed him from the practice squad to the active roster on October 5th. So Washington on Sunday essentially played one linebacker in Cole Holcomb and essentially played two corners in William Jackson III and Kendall Fuller. Run on Monday on trying to balance developing younger players like Jamin Davis and Benjamin St. Juice with trying to win. Well, you know, this this really is about um, trying to win. I mean, you line up to play to win. And um, sometimes based on what we're doing schematically, guys will get the opportunity to play and guys won't. And when they play, they got to play to the best of their abilities. They got to take advantage of those chances. We can't, you know, we, we, we if, if, if you just throw everything away and just say, hey, just all about developing, then okay, great. But you know, what does it, what does it say? I mean, our, our, what are we trying to do? Well, we're going to try and win. And uh, again, if, if part of the game plan calls for us to do these things, that's what we're going to do. What do you think that means for those two guys moving forward? Well, it means that hopefully um, this week we'll look at what we want to do against uh, our next opponent and say, okay, these are things that we're going to do and you're part of it. That's, that's all it means. I mean, again, we're trying to win football games. And they should be trying to win football games because in the NFL, you can rebuild while still trying to win, okay? And while Washington, yes, is rebuilding, Washington also, yes, can still be trying to win. The NFL is not Major League Baseball. The NFL is not the NBA. The NFL is different for a lot of reasons. Shorter season, far more physical game, far more of a sport in which the whole so often is greater than or lesser than the sum of the parts as we're seeing this season with this Washington defense. And so that brings us to Washington's next game. The 2-3 and three Washington football team will host the two-time defending AFC champion, but also 2-3 and three Kansas City Chiefs this Sunday afternoon at 1. The Chiefs defense has been horrible this season, arguably worse than Washington's defense, but the Chiefs offense is still dynamic. Patrick Mahomes leads the NFL with 16 touchdown passes. Ron Rivera on Monday on whether he believes that he can have the issues on Washington's defense cleaned up in time for this Sunday's game against the Chiefs. I thought we took, again, as I said, you know, a pretty big step. I I thought guys were doing a little bit more, a little bit better with the details. There were a couple plays, as I said, that we really got caught. And, And again, we see the example of what happens when we're not doing it the way we need to. That's probably the thing that we've got to understand. Um, coming into this game, is there concern? Absolutely. Um, but again, we're going to work and try and get ourselves ready so that we can handle those situations and circumstances. So Ron believes that Washington's defense in the loss to the Saints, quote, took a pretty big step, end quote. I thought we took, again, as I said, you know, a pretty big step. Uh, yeah, I suppose that's one way of looking at things. Look, I like Ron Rivera a lot, but <laughs> I mean... That is something else to say that Washington's defense took a pretty big step with that performance on Sunday. I understand where Ron is coming from in saying that. 
Uh, but geez, what does it say about the state of this defense that what we saw on Sunday is considered to be, by the head coach no less, a defensive-minded head coach, a big step? It's worth noting that the Chiefs are banged up. Uh, they're coming off that 38-20 home loss to the Buffalo Bills on Sunday Night Football. Receiver Tyreek Hill reportedly suffered a minor knee injury. He's not expected to miss time. Tight end Travis Kelsey suffered a stinger. Running back Clyde Edwards-Elaire reportedly suffered a sprained MCL. Is expected to miss a few weeks. Left guard Joe Tooney suffered a fractured hand. But of course, none of this matters if Washington's defense doesn't play better. It's as simple as that. Well, here's a simple question. Do you need a lawyer? Do you think that you might need a lawyer? If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. Paulson and Nace handles complex personal injury, medical negligence, and wrongful death cases. The services of Paulson and Nace are available in D.C., Maryland, and West Virginia. Paulson and Nace is a family law firm. The Naces are DMV through and through. Big Washington football team fans. I've known the Naces for more than 25 years. These are good people, smart people, and successful people. Paulson and Nace is a law firm that wins. Paulson and Nace has recovered millions of dollars for the sick and injured. You see, not all law firms focusing on medical malpractice, birth injuries, product liability, and other personal injury matters have trial experience. In fact, many law firms have no courtroom experience at all and look to settle such cases without ever presenting them to a jury. A client has limited options for reasonable settlement if he or she is represented by an attorney with limited trial experience. Well, Paulson and Nace is like the Bill Belichick of D.C. area law firms. Founding partner Barry Nace has tried more medical malpractice cases to verdict in Washington, D.C. than any other plaintiff's attorney. Like I said, Belichick, if you're looking for a lawyer, ask yourself this. Do you want an attorney who talks about unverified successful cases, or do you want a law firm that has fought the good fight for decades? That is Paulson and Nace. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace, if you feel as if you've been wronged, if you have a complex personal injury, medical negligence, or wrongful death case, or you think that you may have one but aren't sure, call Paulson and Nace and schedule a no-obligation appointment. Yeah, you're obligated to nothing. You can call Paulson and Nace at 202-902-7611. That's 202-902-7611. When you call, make sure that you tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Schedule your no-obligation appointment by calling 202-902-7611. Paulson and Nace, when tragedy happens, let their family take care of yours. All right, let's talk Washington football team offense off the 33-22 loss to the New Orleans Saints at FedEx Field on Sunday afternoon, and off Ron Rivera's day after the game Zoom press conference on Monday afternoon. So like I said earlier, the bulk of the 17-plus minute presser was about the problems on defense. There were very few questions about non-Washington football team defensive items. Uh, there was just one Taylor Heineke question. The question asked Ron for his evaluation of how Heineke played in the loss to the Saints. Here was Ron's answer. Well, unfortunately, you know, we were in a position where I think Taylor forced some things to happen, tried to make some things happen that, that he didn't need to. I think, you know, again, it, it, it's it's one of those things that you, you don't want him to feel like he has to make the big play all the time. He's just got to make the right play. 
He did some good things early on. He missed some throws early on, but he made some terrific plays. And, and there's, you know, again, let's not forget this is, dude's only, what, sixth start? So there's going to be some growing pains. There's going to be some angst. Uh, but right now we're going to live with it because that's where we are. Yeah, I like that Ron continues to be so publicly supportive of Heineke. Maybe internally things are different, but outwardly, Ron has not wavered one bit on Taylor Heineke right now being Washington's QB1, and I think that that's the right way to be. If Heineke struggles again this Sunday in the game against the Kansas City Chiefs at FedEx Field, uh, and then struggles the following Sunday in the game at the Green Bay Packers, and Ryan Fitzpatrick is nearing being healthy enough to return, then yeah, things can change. Look, Washington is committed to nothing with Heineke. Washington owes Heineke nothing. This entire Taylor Heineke experience was never supposed to happen. But with him having played as well as he has, and with Ryan Fitzpatrick on the reserve injured list with this right hip injury, Heineke is getting a shot. He did not play well in the loss to the Saints. This was by far his worst game as a Washington quarterback. His two interceptions were really bad. He was late on too many throws. He was inaccurate on too many throws. He threw way too many interceptable passes. But, and Ron alluded to this, this game also was just Heineke's seventh game and fifth start as a Washington quarterback. He was facing a Saints defense that through week four was number two in the NFL in total defense for football outsiders, DVOA metric. He was quarterbacking a Washington offense that was without Logan Thomas, Brandon Sheriff, Deami Brown, and Cam Sims for the entire game, and was without Curtis Samuel and Samuel Cosme for most of the game due to injury. Uh, Heineke was playing behind a Washington offensive line that was guilty of four bad penalties. Man, I heard nobody talk about those Washington offensive line penalties these last few days, other than myself. And Heineke quarterback to Washington offense that had some terrible field position, right? Washington started three different offensive drives at the team's three or worse, thanks to those great punts by the Saints punter, Blake Gillikin. So all of that needs to be mentioned when evaluating Heineke's performance and the loss to the Saints, but he was bad. Like if I'm giving Heineke a grade for his performance on Sunday, he gets a D. I mean, he was really bad on Sunday. Needs to be better. Now, I mentioned Fitzpatrick. Ron on Monday got asked about Fitzpatrick. Didn't give much of an answer, but here's what Ron said. Um, he's been around every day, doing his rehab, doing the things he needs to, um, and uh, he's progressing. All right, so like I said, not much there. Uh, Washington placed Fitzpatrick on the reserve injured list on September 14th due to the right hip subluxation that was suffered in the loss to the Los Angeles Chargers at FedEx Field in week one. The last true update that we got on Fitzpatrick was on September 16th. Uh, that day, we had multiple reports that Fitzpatrick would not be undergoing surgery, at least for the time being, and instead would be rehabbing the hip. The belief was that he would be out around eight weeks, putting his return at some point in November. We also, though, have had this. NFL insider Ian Rappaport of NFL Network and NFL.com on the morning of Washington's loss at the Buffalo Bills in week three reported something that was obvious but also was notable. Uh, Rappaport reported that Taylor Heineke had a real chance to remain as Washington's starting quarterback per sources, wrote Rappaport, quote, Taylor Heineke will start again on Sunday. 
for the Washington football team versus the Bills, taking the place of injured quarterback Ryan Fitzpatrick. If Heineke continues to play the way he did last week, that starting stint could be a lengthy one. Sources say that Heineke does have a real chance to keep the job. Following the subluxation of his hip, Fitzpatrick should be healthy enough to return off injured reserve and be back on the active roster by mid-November in what role will be determined by Heineke's play, end quote. So again, what Rappaport reported a few weeks ago was pretty obvious that, okay, how Taylor Heineke plays will determine whether he remains as Washington's QB1. That's the way that things should be, because much as Washington owes Taylor Heineke nothing, Washington owes Ryan Fitzpatrick nothing, okay? So to me, if you're Ron Rivera, you play the hot hand. And if Taylor Heineke's the hot hand, you ride him. And if Heineke cools off or Heineke struggles or whatever the case may be, then you can go ahead and give Fitzpatrick the shot that he was supposed to get to begin this season as Washington's starting quarterback. But yeah, I mean, for now, with Washington not having anything in the way of true quarterback certainty, you do whatever it is you want to do with the quarterbacks on your roster. And to me, given that Taylor Heineke overall has played well over his seven games, including five starts as a Washington quarterback, is coming off a bad performance and the loss to the Saints, you keep playing Heineke. Uh, and he'll get another shot here in this game against the Kansas City Chiefs at FedEx Field this Sunday afternoon at 1. It really does set up as a fascinating matchup because, of course, the Chiefs are the Chiefs with maybe the single best player in the NFL as their quarterback in Patrick Mahomes, uh, maybe the single best head coach in the NFL and Andy Reid. But also, the Chiefs' defense has really been bad so far this season And Taylor Heineke did a good job in a game against another bad defense, that of the Atlanta Falcons in Washington's Week 4 win at the Falcons. So I don't think it's far-fetched at all to say that Taylor Heineke bounces back with how he performs in this game against the Chiefs at FedEx Field this Sunday afternoon. One more thing on Washington's offense. Ron on Monday got asked about the Curtis Samuel situation. So Samuel in the loss to the Saints on Sunday, no receptions and being targeted just once and uh, did have one carry for eight yards, but he played on just five of Washington's offensive snaps due to his problematic groin acting up. Uh, Samuel was listed as questionable for the game due to the groin, which of course had him on the reserve injured list from September 10th to October 1st. He finally made his Washington debut in that win at the Falcons in week four. But Scott Turner last Thursday at his post-practice press conference admitted that Samuel had been on a pitch count that Washington exceeded by a decent amount uh, in that game at the Falcons. Ron Rivera on Monday on whether the approach with Curtis Samuel needs to change or if he remains week to week. He's going to be on a week-to-week basis, guys. What we have to do with Curtis is, you know, we've got to stick to the plan, continue to work him. One of the hard things is we were trying to be very mindful of of it, and unfortunately on the sideline, he felt he was tightening up. And we're not going to put him out there and expose him to an even even more serious injury. So we're just going to continue to be smart with it, and hopefully it'll settle in and uh, he'll be ready to go. Uh, in the meantime, that means uh, some other guys get might get a few more opportunities. You guys saw DeAndre out there get a few more. Dax Milne's got some. Um, you know, uh, Hump came up big and made some plays for us as well. So, uh, you know, that's how we have to approach it. You just get the feeling that this is a lost first season for Curtis Samuel with Washington. I hate saying that 
but it has become very difficult to believe that Samuel will ever truly be right with his groin this season. Hopefully that's not the case. Hopefully he heals at some point and then kills it for Washington, but I don't know how anyone has confidence in that happening at this point. This is the groin injury to end all groin injuries. I mean, I have never seen something this nagging and this difficult to heal. Like, did someone run over his groin with a tank? Seriously, what the heck happened? All right, moving away from the Washington football team on this Tuesday installment of the Al Galdi podcast, the Wizards. I said the Wizards. The damn Washington Wizards. Yes, thank you, Stephen A. The Wizards, uh, they have two preseason games left, including one on Tuesday night against the Toronto Raptors at Capital One Arena at 7. The Wizards' regular season opener is at the Raptors on October 20th. Uh, There was some Wizards news on Monday. Wizards insider Chase Hughes of NBC Sports Washington reported that Rui Hachimura had landed in D.C. to rejoin the Wizards following a weeks-long absence Due to personal reasons, Uh, Rui does have to wait through COVID-19 protocols, but Rui is essentially back with the Wiz. Uh, The Wizards on September 25th announced that Rui would miss the start of Wizards training camp on September 28th due to personal reasons. Uh, The Wizards added that Rui's absence had been excused and that the team would provide further updates when appropriate. We have no specifics on what has been going on with Rui. I think a logical thought is that this is a mental health issue, but we don't know that for sure. This could have nothing to do with mental health. But whatever the case, we obviously hope that Rui is doing well. I like Rui Hachimura. I think that he has been a good wizard. Uh, He's a solid NBA player, not a superstar, uh, but a nice piece. Wizards took Rui with the number nine pick in the 2019 NBA draft at a Gonzaga. The book on Rui at the time was high floor, low ceiling player. Uh, and that's essentially to me what he's been. This coming season will be his age 23 season. He over his two regular seasons has averaged 13.7 points per game and 5.8 rebounds per game. You don't really get the sense that like there's a next higher level that Rui Hachimura is going to be getting to. But that doesn't mean that he can't be better. That doesn't mean that he won't be better. He did improve his three-point shooting from year one to year two. 28.7% on threes in his 2019-2020 rookie regular season. 32.8% on threes last regular season. Now, 32.8% on threes isn't good, but that is much better than 28.7%. Uh, Rui can score, Rui can rebound, Rui can defend, which is not something that many Wizards have done for years now. So all the best to Rui Hachimura. Also, we on Monday got more news on the Nationals, more change uh, for their Major League coaching staff. Kevin Long is out as Nats hitting coach, although this appears to be by his own choice. Uh, we on Monday had multiple reports that Kevin Long is leaving the Nats after four seasons as their hitting coach to become the Philadelphia Phillies hitting coach, despite Long having been invited back by the Nats to be their hitting coach for the 2022 season. Uh, Kevin Long was the Nats hitting coach again for the last four seasons, 2018 
through 2021. Obviously, was the Nats hitting coach for their 2019 World Series championship season. The Nats in this 2021 season were not great offensively initially, but ended up being one of the better offensive teams in the National League, even after the late July sell-off. We talked about this a lot on the podcast. Guys like Lane Thomas and Riley Adams hitting well. You know, the rise of Josh Bell as the season went on. The continued excellence of Juan Soto this season. Kevin Long has been a part of some good Nationals offenses. He has a very good reputation. He has been the Nats hitting coach all throughout the rise of Juan Soto, who, by the way, is a big fan of Kevin Long. You wonder what Soto is thinking about Kevin Long's departure. Uh, Kevin Long is known as a guru of the launch angle, which has become a major thing in baseball over the last decade or so. Kevin Long is the guy who transformed Daniel Murphy. You know, Kevin Long is a guy who Daniel Murphy has given a lot of credit to in terms of why Murphy went from being a good major league hitter to a great major league hitter for multiple seasons. Uh, Kevin Long was a New York Mets hitting coach for three seasons, 2015 through 2017. And that's another thing about Kevin Long. He lasted as a hitting coach in the cauldron that is New York for over a decade. Long was the Mets hitting coach from 2015 through 2017. The Mets won the National League pennant in 2015. Long was the New York Yankees hitting coach from 2007 through 2014. The Yankees won the World Series in 2009. It's hard to not know what you're doing and last as a hitting coach in New York from 2007 through 2017. Kevin Long lasted for 11 years in New York as a hitting coach. Now, things got weird between the Nats and Kevin Long last offseason. He wanted a multi-year contract. The Nats told him that he could see if he could get a multi-year contract from another team, but that the Nats would not be giving Kevin Long a multi-year contract. It was reported that Kevin Long was, in fact, out as Nats hitting coach, but he ended up returning as Nats hitting coach on a one-year contract. So, yeah, here we go again, right, with a Nationals manager or coach dancing this dance with the learners in terms of the guy wants one thing contractually and the learners will not budge on what they are willing to give contractually. Now, look, it's tricky with hitting coaches and pitching coaches in baseball. They're not like, say, offensive and defensive coordinators in football. So I don't normally get all worked up about hitting coaches and pitching coaches, but Hitting coaches and pitching coaches can be of great value. And if you have a really good one, you should hold on to them. And I don't see what the big deal would have been for the learners to have given Kevin Long a multi-year contract. I mean, he has proven to have been a good hitting coach. He is very well liked by Juan Soto. There's no way that Kevin Long was making more than six figures. Just pay the guy. Like, what is the big deal? Uh, anyway, we now have three openings on Davey Martinez's staff because Kevin Long is out and Bob Henley and Randy Knorr are out. We on Sunday had multiple reports that Bob Henley and Randy Knorr, two longtime Nats coaches, are not returning to the Nats Major League coaching staff for the 2022 season, but are remaining in the organization in player development roles. Uh, Bob Senley Henley has been the Nats' third base coach in seven of the previous eight seasons. Many a send has been authored by Bob Senley Henley. Uh, not always successful, too. Uh, if you watch Nats games, you know that. Randy Knorr has served in a variety of roles for the Nats, including as first base coach for the 2021 season. We don't know for sure why Henley and Knorr are out 
as major league coaches. But I do wonder if them being out has anything to do with this. Uh, the Nats were a terrible base running team this season. Fangraphs has this all-encompassing base running metric called BSR. BSR turns stolen bases, caught stealings, and other base running plays, taking extra bases, being thrown out on the base paths, etc., into runs above and below average. The Nats in the 2021 regular season finished dead last out of 30 major league teams in BSR at minus 25.4. The next worst total was the New York Yankees, minus 15.1. So the Nats in the 2021 regular season were more than 10 runs worse than the next worst team in terms of base running. So it's not just that the Nats were a really bad base running team this season. It's that the Nats were the worst base running team in the majors this season and by miles. Nats had a lot of problems in the team's 2021 season. It's why the Nats went 65 and 97. And so we are in the midst of some change right now. All right, that will do it for you and me. But just for now, keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Wednesday's show, episode 165, will feature not one, but two special guests. In-depth breakdown of the Washington football team with Samuel Gold. He is the creator of Sam's Film Room on YouTube. He is a big Washington football team fan. Recently did an excellent breakdown of Washington's defense, was featured on Hogs Haven. Uh, Samuel Gold will give us an X's and O's breakdown of Washington's defense, Taylor Heineke, and more. And I'll preview the Capitals' 2021-2022 season with Caps insider Tarek El-Bashir of The Athletic DC, and now also TNT. Uh, Tarek has been hired by TNT to be part of the network's NHL coverage. Love that. Uh, The Caps will begin their regular season on Wednesday night, home to the New York Rangers at 7.30. Lots to get into with Tarek as another Caps season is upon us. Have a great rest of your Tuesday, and I'll talk to you on Wednesday. I thought we took, again, as I said, you know, a pretty big step. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Grainger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call. 
clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.